Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast. We talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 9th day of December 2017 in the Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Would you sign a injury-prone slugger in his late 20s to an 11-year contract? Back in August, I told the Red Sox, don't covet Giancarlo Stanton because you'll wind up regretting that deal. Well, today, the Yankees, pending physicals and approvals, look like they're going to pick up Giancarlo Stanton. And I stand by it. I think he's going to be very, very good for the next two years. He won the MVP. I agree with it. He's a player I think should have won the MVP. Um, I don't know what the Yankees are giving up. The main thing they, they're picking up or, or they're doing for the uh, Miami Marlins is taking care of the salaries. They're doing a massive salary dump because, as we know, things are now different with the Marlins' ownership. Uh, now, this is obviously a, a Yankee day. The odd thing is, and again, this is the the perils of not doing a daily podcast anymore, although it feels like I'm basically doing that again, is I had Lisa Swan, a future, you know, fixture on the show, my most freaky guest, and I had her on the phone last night because I wanted to talk to her about the signing of Aaron Boone as the Yankee manager and why I felt it was a strange move. And, and we had a few disagreements, but you know, we, we see eye to eye on a lot of things. And little did I know, by the time I would hang up the phone a few hours later, the Yankees would be involved in the Stanton mess. Uh, I really thought he was going to go, I thought he was a perfect fit for St. Louis. I thought he may have been a, a very good fit for the San Francisco Giants. He's looks like he's going to go to the Yankees, and I have no doubt that for... 2018, 2019, probably 2020, he is going to be an elite slugger. And if the Yankees win the World Series in those years and they pick up the tab for the remaining seven, eight years of his contract, oh, might be worth it for them. I don't know. It's a little risky, especially a day after I'm talking about the fact that the Angels should probably designate Albert Pujols for assignment. But that's neither here nor there. I'm going to play the conversation that I had with Lisa Swan, and we're going to talk a little bit about the current state of the Yankees, which at the time did not include Giancarlo Stanton. So here is author of Subway Squawkers and frequent guest of the podcast, Lisa Swan, talking about the Yankees. Are you there? Yes. How are you doing, Sully? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Uh, I hope it's a wonderful time for you. Yes, I, I, I'm uh, celebrating the fact that the Yankees were in the postseason longer than the Red Sox are. So. All right. Well, I'm celebrating back-to-back division titles and a more recent world <laughs> and a more recent world championship. So, you know, um, that's uh, and, a, and a managerial change that made sense. Uh, no, it's uh, it's actually uh, it's a, a quite a wonderful time to be a Red Sox fan because both teams are good again. Both teams are playoff teams again, and we have a brand-new cast. There's nobody left from 04, 03, and 04 left on the team, so it's, it's kind of fresh. It's kind of new, 
and everyone has a new manager and new faces, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely – well, there, there actually is somebody on, on the field now from O3, but he's in a different position now. Who? Oh, that's, oh yes. I mean, the players. I mean, there's yes. some people on the coaching staff and everything. But I mean, yes. But there's uh, – yeah, that's, that's what I mean, yes. You, you jumped ahead of us a little bit here. Um, huh. isn't, it, isn't it amazing that you the, – the Red Sox won 90-some-odd games, won the division. Yankees mm-hmm. won 90-some-odd games and stunningly beat the Indians and got to, you know, it was no score relatively late in the game of game six of the ALCS. Yeah. And the Nationals back-to-back division titles, and so all those three teams from the East, and all three are going to have different managers. Yes, that is true. And, uh, I, I, and of course, there's the Mets, too. And I was just trying yeah. to think, has there ever been a year like this where there's so many managers gone? And certainly and one who had postseason. Yeah, that's right. It's like the whole East Coast to full new managers. I think the longest tenure, I mean, the, the Toronto is not an East Coast team. I mean, Buck Showalter is the longest tenured East Coast manager at this point. Wow. And, you know, when you think of that, that's uh, that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, this is a let's – just, let's just relish the fact that, you know, this was a fun year. I mean, my team, they didn't go as far in the postseason, but at least they won a game. If they got swept, that would have been humiliating. But at least they won a game against the Astros. They, both of our teams lost to the eventual world champion. Um, and – but both of our teams had fun, exciting years. There's new players. There's new blood. I mean, Judge is every, you know, more than we thought he was going to be. And, and Bird and Sanchez and Severino. Who, 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 she just, I mean, he becomes a Cy Young contender. I mean, this is, a, this, is a, this is the very Yankee team that you've been screaming for for the last bunch of years. It's true. It's true, and and they're all likable too. That's that's the thing. It's great. It's been a long time since they've really had likable guys and young guys and, and homegrown guys. It's been twenty yeah. years. Other than Cano, they really didn't have any stars in the last twenty years who were homegrown. So uh, this is great, and and uh, it's it just the fact it was just so unexpected. And that was the thing, as you may remember, I was training for a marathon. As yeah. this fall, I might have talked yeah. about it a little bit, but little I, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally wasn't expecting this. I can't tell you how many times I was, I was at the gym or going afterwards, and like, oh, I'm watching the game. This is unbelievable, and this, this is crazy. This is totally not what I expected. I didn't think that there was going to be Yankee baseball in, in October. I was, I was kind of used to nothing going on in October for me to root for, or you know, or I guess it was two years ago, one game. So yeah. this was this was very exciting. I mean, when the Yankees were down three nothing in the first inning to Minnesota, and if you had seen me, you would thought I grew up in St. Paul. I was just so thrilled. Like, <laughs> oh, they're gonna they're gonna get their butts kicked in the wild card game, and then they wound up storming back, winning that, and said, oh, but they're gonna play Cleveland. They're gonna get the, they lost the first two, and there was that wild second game, and we're like, oh, if they can't win that game, and I mean. At that point, wait, is that my smoke alarm going? I'm there for my kids. <laughs> hey, guys, open up the back door. Make sure the house doesn't burn on fire, okay? So, but 
you, I mean, I hate to throw this as a Red Sox fan. This is almost sacrilegious to say. But up until the loss in game seven to um, the Houston, they were reminding me of the Boston Strong Red Sox year for 2013 because that was a year I had no expectations for the team. And even when they went into the postseason, I thought, oh, they're really good, but they're probably not going to beat the Tigers, so they're probably not going to beat the A's, so be, be thankful for this. And every time they won a game, I said, I can't believe this. October's still going on. I can't believe it's still going on. Now, that team actually won the World Series. I don't know if you remember that. But, uh, I, um, I blocked it out. But <laughs> I blocked out that one and, 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 and a couple other ones. Well, <laughs> but I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm mark this down. But I'm going to give lots of Yankee credit here. The the game that I think people should look at as the game where the Yankees showed their mettle. I mean, obviously beating Cleveland was incredible. But when they were down two one to the Astros, and the Astros had that big lead, like and they they were losing like the Yankees were losing by like three or four runs in the seventh inning, I think it was. Yeah. And they came back from that. And then, oh, but they're going to face Keiko the next day. Keiko has their number. And then they beat Keiko. That's when I was thinking, oh, man. Because that reminded me of when the Red Sox had to beat Verlander. They had to beat Scherzer in that series against Detroit. And it's like, oh, my God. Are the Yankees actually going to win this pennant? And um, they didn't. But, man, they, they showed me a lot that I did not think they were going to have. Well, same here. And I remember I was that that game where uh, the, the the crazy game where I guess they were that you were just describing. I guess they were down by four runs. I was uh, I had just finished working out and I was at a bar. Watch. I was like, okay, let me just see the end of this. This is, doesn't look good. And uh, and then all of a sudden it was just this inning that went on and on and on. And I'm I'm supposed to get home to Staten Island and I'm at this bar just there for like an hour and a half, just like I gotta see how this works out. And it was so exciting to be with other people and have the whole group of people cheering and everything and it's been so long where where people were just just genuinely excited and not the oh gee what what what's going to happen here and, and just kind of like it, it, it was is is i i always uh quote the pat riley thing about the innocent climb and uh right. it's been a long time since the yankees have had an innocent climb i would say since 96 yeah when they when they were facing, I mean, it would be really hard for people to remember, if you're especially if you're of a certain age, that when they won the the division series against Texas in '96, that was a big deal because that was the first time they had advanced since 1981. Yeah, and and then to make it to the World Series was a huge deal. But everyone knew, well, the Braves are like the big red machine. There's there no way they're going to beat the Braves. And it's hard for people to remember the Yankees were extraordinary underdogs. Yes, I was at game one in, in person. I flew up from Texas for this, but I was like, oh, wait, the Yankees have been in the World Series for 15 years. I need to go see it. And I flew up from Texas to New York. I saw game one, and Andy Pettis bit the bit, and the game was basically over by the second inning, and it was raining, and it was miserable. And and it was just and by game two, the, all the Atlanta media, and this was in the early days of the Internet, but you could see these newspaper articles, and basically the series is over and on the Yankees came back and won the, the following four. It was just amazing. 
And yeah. so that that was the that was the last time where the Yankees were that really the underdog like that. But think about the world we live in that was the 2017 season. Is that the the big bad bullies who picked up the huge free agents or big acquisitions were the Indians and the Astros. <laughs> and <laughs> and the, the Indians were the star-studded team that picks up Encarnacion, and the Astros had tons of talent. They pick up Ver, uh, uh, Verlander and Beltran. And the Yankees, man, I mean, they – what they did, in, especially, I mean, the, the Cleveland series still stuns me because, you know, I, I just thought Cleveland was a team of destiny this year, which just goes to show you how important the regular season is. Right. Um, but, but what they did, and, and, you know, Severino, who got, if the Yankees didn't come back against that first game, he would have been the GOAT of October. Mm-hmm. And instead, he became one of the great heroes. That's right. And as, as did Tanaka, and I was, you know, it sickens me that I'm I'm being this positive about the team, but <laughs> you know, and the fact that they made a better show of it. To... You just faded out. They did, they did go out win that when they were their picks, but but yeah, it, the the, the Astros were just better <laughs> than the Red Sox. I'm I'm man enough to admit. And by the end, I think the Yankees were probably better than the Red Sox, but they just wasn't. Um, so that's why the Red Sox are the division champions. But um, I would much rather have played Game Seven of the ALCS than have back-to-back division titles. But that's just me. Well, that is true. That is true. It's it, it, it's just one of these things where, and I, I mean, I actually got an argument with somebody on, on on Facebook about this a month ago, where where it was it was a Cardinals fan, and he was saying like basically any World Series uh, championship where the where the team gets a wild card is tainted. And it's like these are the rules. These are the rules yeah. we live in. <laughs> we're 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 not, we're not in the old uh, days with the uh, you know the way where you just uh, when you win your division you win the pennant. So <laughs> these are the rules. And is, is is there any Red Sox fan who's like, well, gosh, you know, 2004 we only got the wild card. So what? The the, the championship doesn't count. Please. Yeah, well, let me say something that Cardinal fan. First of all, the 2011 World Series was a wild card Cardinal team. And secondly, the Cardinals won the World Series in 2006 with a team that won, like, what, 83, 84 games the exactly. entire year? Exactly. Are you trying to tell me the 83, 84 win Cardinal team from 06 has more dignity than the 04 Red Sox? Or, hell, the 02 Angels? who won, I think it was 99 games or 98 games, something like that, and were stacked in that lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you, this is you know, this is the teams that you play. This is the – these are how you stack the teams up. And, you know, and, and I guarantee you that you could have – your people in the 70s were saying, well, this division winner had a worse record than that division winner, and therefore I don't look at that pennant as being, you know, the the – was it the 73 Mets only won 83, 84 games? That's what I was just thinking of. Yeah. Or the Twins in 87. Yeah. You know, that team was that team was mediocre but had a great home record, and they won the World Series. You know, so, yeah, knock that off, Cardinals fan. Then take down your 2011 banner. Yeah. And that, and, and that, to, the, and that to the Rangers. Yeah. So, 
That's just, that's just a bunch of in my day, you know, um, you know, bullshit. Right. Well, well, when when you start saying in my day, you might as well just have the get off my lawn sign, and you've just you've you've officially become an old pokey. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I have no tolerance for that. Um, let's just talk about the big thing though, because we we mentioned this at the beginning of this conversation that you had uh, the Red Sox, the Mets, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Nationals. All changed Mantis. Well, the Mets had to. I think the Mets should have changed in season. Right. Um, the Phillies, who brought in 2004 Red Sox Gabe Kapler, I have no clue. They're a rebuilding team. I have no idea what McCacken or however you pronounce his name was. I have no feel for that. Um, the Red Sox won back-to-back divisions, but it was kind of clear that the clubhouse was at a little bit of disarray. John Farrell was kind of losing the team. And Alex Cora is a top managerial prospect. And there was a chance to say, hey, let's bring in someone who everyone's saying you're on the world champion Astros coaching staff and great baseball mind and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let's bring him aboard. Okay, I get that. I personally would have kept Dusty Baker because I happen to be a Dusty fan. But – I can also understand we're bringing in Dave Martinez, who supposedly is the best managerial prospect. I get that. The Yankee change, you and I have a disagreement on, because I would have brought Joe Girardi back, um, but you were of the mindset that it was time to make a change. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I, I just tend to think that anything over five years is, is unless you're Joe Torrey, and, and and even he stayed on too, way too long, but it's like yeah. he has four rings the first five years. And I, I, I feel like he kind of lost his effect of this. He started – once you get past the time, you, you kind of get settled in your ways and you start believing your own hype. And so, I mean, the fact you've already lasted a decade is, is pretty remarkable. And I could have done either way, though. I mean, if they had decided to keep him, I wouldn't have flipped out or anything. It's just, it, it just, I, I, I just thought it was very interesting that that, uh, that the only person who was really talking about that that he might be gone was was Buster only of ESPN. And even then, because the only thing that was also was like, well, he might want to spend time with his family, blah blah blah. He might not want to come back. And only kind of made it that. It's a 50-50 chance of coming back and, and kind of implied that the Yankees were sick of him. And the New York media totally missed the boat on it. It, it was just this, 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 they, whatever had been going on for several years, apparently, they, 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 they never wrote about or they didn't see. So uh, this was a huge, I mean, I, I don't know how much that, that's been clear to the rest of the country that for New York, this was a huge shock that, well, Girardi's not coming back, and people originally were thinking he had quit, and it's like, no, he's fired? So a lot of people were shocked. I wasn't totally shocked because I had heard Buster only say that, but um, most people were shocked. Um, and, and then you hear these different things. One of the things that struck me was he, he kind of threw Gary Sanchez under the bus this year, and there were various yeah. things like that. Um, I just felt, I, I wrote about this in, in my Subway Squawkers blog today, but there was something where, when they when he messed up in game two of the uh, ALDS and he had some team meeting and and it was like well I'll never forget 
what Todd Frazier said after the, after I talked to the team and apologized, and he said, let's go. And it's like, well, that's not that big a deal to get excited over that. And then Aaron Judge, when he was asked when they won the series, that he was kind of like, Joe who? If, you, if they considered this winning it for Joe. So I, I yeah. definitely think there was, there was tension there in between the lines, but the media wasn't really covering it. So... I, I I don't even know what to say. I, someday, we're, we're, I guess we're just going to have to wait for the tell-all of exactly what happened because it's not really clear right now. By the way, is there anything more overrated than hearing about someone giving a post-game speech? Like, I mean, I I remember after the – we kept hearing in the great World Series between the Indians and the Cubs that Jason Hayward gave a rousing speech and the Cubs wound up winning. Who cares? I guarantee you Mike Napoli or someone made, gave a rousing speech to the Indians. You know, if you need to have Jason Hayward to give you a speech to put on the line in case seven of the World Series an extra innings, then you're in trouble. I mean, that's, that's, to me, that's just, you know, John, Todd Frazier gave a great speech. Wow, that's great. Thank you Todd Frazier. You know, I mean, come on. He, he, you know, the Yankees won game three, won nothing. If the Indians blooped one run here, one run there, it would have been a sweep. Right. You know, it was – the Yankees weren't – you know, Aaron Judge didn't make that great catch over the right field wall because he's like, oh, remember what Todd Frazier taught me. You know, right. Was, I, I mean, I find that sort of – I mean, I enjoy the narrative and everything, but when I hear about rah-rah speeches, I just – I can't help but roll my eyes at that nonsense. It's just – you know, come on. Yeah, he gave a speech. Congratulations. Um, I'll tell you from my – I mean, I had Jason Keitel on the, the show, and we were talking about how when I saw Girardi was gone, I assumed he quit. Yes, yes. I Actually, I listened to your whole show and everything. I was doing house cleaning, and uh, and, I, and I was I was kind of like talking back to the podcast. <laughs> That's why I wanted you on, so you could yes. talk back to me. Uh, I, I, I could, let me put it this way. If they had lost the wild card game to Minnesota, and they were losing 3 nothing in the first, and, it was a, and Severino was lifted after getting only one batter out, uh, I was you know, I was dancing in my living room. Um, I thought, wow, you know, Girardi's gone. Then they came back, and then he bungled game two. And I thought, oh, he's going to be gone. But they came back to win. I thought games, getting to game seven of the ALCS against the team that went on to win the World Series, I thought bought him another year. You know, I, I, mean, I mean, you're talking to a guy who – saw Brady Little take the Red Sox to game seven of the ALCS, and I thought he should have been fired in game of game seven. <laughs> um, but uh, but that being said, I really thought that, you know, you've earned at least showing up to spring training because it was a rebuilt team. Because it was a team that you look at and go, hey, they have the foundation of something pretty good here. Um and I really, I thought that was worth coming back for. But the thing that made me really scratch my head, and this is the main thing I want to talk to you about, was that if they let Joe go and brought in Dave Martinez, if they had let Joe go and they brought in Joey Cora, um, or not Alex Cora, I'm sorry, or anyone right. named Cora, um, <laughs> then 
I would say, okay, they saw an opportunity to bring in a young, bright manager to the team to be the long-term solution. But bringing in Aaron Boone, who is tied with me in coaching in the major, in, in, for major league you know, coaching experience, I have to just ask the question, is this a better option than Joe Girardi? And I can't honestly say yes. Yeah, it's funny because I was basically pro getting rid of Girardi because I just think some of these things, it's, you're going to give this guy, and I think they're also looking at, like, we're going to give this guy another three years. Is this what we want? And they, they were looking towards the future, which is fine, and it's their right to do. But remember, this is the parquet job in Major League Baseball. And I, I was joking today, my coach who got me through my first marathon, he has more coaching experience than Aaron Boone does. Maybe they can get him to do it. It just it seems bizarre to me. And I, I'm sorry, but, you know, Aaron Boone's been doing the, the, the broadcast for, what, eight years? Tell, tell me the most memorable thing he said. I can't think of a single thing or a single time where people were like, wow, it's great to hear Aaron Boone's analysis of such and such in the game. And, and name one thing. I can't think of anything. On the other hand, A-Rod has only been doing this a year, not even full-time, and he's the one that's doing this broadcast exchange his whole whole. whole whole image around. He's got J-Lo now and everything else. So meanwhile, Aaron Boone, it's like, okay, so well, great. He's his broadcaster. And, and this, this is a guy who that, well, he he was so gung-ho about the job, he didn't apply for it. Cashman called him when he was like at his son's football game or something. And it's like, this is the guy? This is... It just almost reminds me a little bit of when, when Art Howe, when, they, when the Mets hired him and they said, like, he was, you know, he, he lit up the room. It's like, Aaron, yeah. you know, did, did he really light up the room here? Is this, is this the guy? Your marquee, your marquee franchise? You're going to trust him? I mean, he seems like a perfectly nice guy. And yeah. he is, you know, he's, he's young and, yeah. and very personable, but... It, it, I, I just I I love the opinion they wanted a puppet and they got it. Yeah, I mean I'll get to that in a second. It's, it's if I were a minor league manager, I would be so angry right now because I'm like, what am I? Why am I here? What mm-hmm. am I doing? That this is the Yankees. This is the the marquee team of the, I mean, this is me saying this. This is a marquee franchise, and you're handing the car keys over. To someone based on what he, you know, I, I can't say how many Yankee fans are like, oh, that must give you nightmares, Aaron Boone home run. No, it doesn't. That's chapter one of 2004. Yeah. There's no pain in my mind, save for feeling badly that Nomar wasn't on the championship roster. You know, that, that being the only thing, because I was a big Nomar fan. But other than that, small price to pay. I don't look and cringe. You know, once your team wins a World Series, all the pain before that gets wiped out, in my opinion. Maybe not the case for you, but for me, it's, it's, it's all prologue. Yeah. yeah, well, it's funny because Boone said as much that, and to his credit, he said he, he, for a long time, he kind of wanted to distance himself from it because they didn't win the World Series. And he said that in, in Boston, after 2004, it was very good natured because people said exactly that. Of, you know, we we had that, and then we won the World Series the next year. So it's like, yeah, whatever. So I don't know if the Yankees are thinking like, well, gosh, we're sticking it to the Red Sox. It's like, I, 
it, it reminded me a little bit of, of what the, the infamous Game uh, 7 that I was at in 2004, the game that must not be mentioned. And they decided, oh, yeah, we're going to have Bucky Dent throw out the first pitch. Yeah, I remember that. Just, yeah, and and it was just like they expected the Red Sox to freak out. Oh, it's Bucky Dan. Oh, that's it. And and it just even at the time, I just thought this is silly. What are you doing this for? So that's what a little bit of the Sarah Boone thing smacks of. And I I do try for my mental health not to complain about Brian Cashman all the time because it's it's a serenity prayer, you know, the stuff that they, I can't do anything about. He's going to be GM for life, short of getting caught yeah. in some scandal. So it doesn't do me any good to complain about him all the time. That being and, said, and and yeah. and let me let me butt in because you and I have criticized Brian Cashman about as hard as anyone. But the fact of the matter is, under his watch, if we gave him grief mm-hmm. for what happened, the bad things that happened under his watch, I got to give him credit for the good things that happened under his watch. Absolutely, he has a team that's rebuilt primarily from the ground up. That's in very, very good shape. They're probably, I mean, this is coming from me, remember. Mm-hmm. They're probably the pick to win the American League for next year, and or at least to be a big-time contender, and yes. to be a contender for the next bunch of years. And yes. that he has what they've been wanting the whole time, which is the next big superstar to fill in after the end of the, the, the beloved core, I won't mm-hmm. call him Cork Ford right. because that's, that's, that's insulting to Bernie Williams. But they have the star to build around, and that's Judge, who is who is more popular than any big-time free agent they could ever bring in. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to criticize what happened on his watch, to be objective, we got to give the guy credit for what happens on his watch, and this team is put together very, very well. Yeah, so... Yes, I, I did. I, I gave him credit in my blog, and it was it, I didn't want to do grudging. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I gave him full credit and all. And the, the last few years, you see, I think he's done a good job. But it's definitely, I think, I think he wanted his – but that's, that's the trend with these. It's, it's the opposite of, it's, it's the opposite of, of, say, Bill Belichick, where they yeah. want these – they don't want somebody in charge who – Who's going to be really, really a, a big force? They want it all decided in the front office, and you just—I guess—you you talk to the media and you, you you cheerlead the guys or whatever. But they want all this stuff done with the analytics or everything else. And it's it's ironic because Girardi—they always had to call call him Joey loosely. Said he followed too much with the binders. So it's just it's interesting because if there was anything I I, I felt with Girardi, he went by the book too much. For, so it is. It is kind of ironic that he's, that they're. I guess they're going to be doing that even more. Just that it's their book and not his book, I suppose. The thing that makes me scratch my head still is that you're telling me there's nobody in the Yankee system that you could bring aboard and say, "Hey, look it. We know you got managerial experience for Trenton or Onianto or whatever team they have up in Albany." Um, so you know, we know you've done the day-to-day operations of managing a team. We're going to hand you the lineup card. We're going to hand you this. We're going to tell you how to play it. You get to be the manager of the Yankees. I'm just finding – I still find it very difficult to believe that Aaron Boone was the best option, especially when we're seeing that bringing in managers with zero coaching experience has been to be kind mixed. In baseball, yes. 
with Osmus, with Matheny. Matheny inherited the World Series, but he inherited the Carnival. Right now, took a team that was a 100-win team to a mid-80-win team with a wonderful farm system. And you talk to any Cardinals fan, they'll they'll say their hair is being ripped out. In fact, Jason and I were saying Joe Girardi should be the manager of the Cardinals. That is the one that makes the most sense in the world. Um, even A.J. Hinch, who was hired without any managerial experience when he was with Arizona, he has managerial experience when he came to the Astros, and I, he's, he's night and day as a manager. Right. It, right. Well, I, I'm having a hard time seeing the Yankees as being a laboratory for managers. Yes, well, didn't Matheny at least have Little League? Because the reason the reason I know this is because he was on the cover of Guidepost magazine when, when I had a story in there about my Spartan rights. I remember he had some kind of credo for, for Little League uh, parents. So I think he at least had that, which is more than that. Or okay, fine. That. Then Walt White yeah. had high school baseball, too. I mean, we're going to go see. Yeah, yeah but I mean, sure. that's how ridiculous this is. It's like, well, at least this guy had Little League. So what did Aaron Boone have? But it's funny because a people were talking about that with him as manager, and I was like, oh, it'll never happen, or, or Carlos Beltran, because, well, they don't have any experience managing. And now you see this, it's like, well, geez. I, who, who would you trust more? And I thought it was interesting that, that Cashman, apparently, he was asked repeatedly about A-Rod. He said, well, he, Alex never expressed desire for the job. So it's like, yeah. oh, and, 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 but he did say that, well, he was advising me on different choices and all. And it's like, that's how much things have changed for Alex Rodriguez, the guy who, who, who Cashman told to shut the bleep up, the guy who was suspended a year. He's now talking to the Yankees about who they should have as their next manager. I, I, and, and meanwhile, I, this is on the side. We have this A-Rod's on the cover of Vanity Fair with J-Lo. And meanwhile, Derek Jeter is uh, getting booed in, in Miami, and, and, and that his reputation is sinking. That just abuses me so much. Well, yeah, and, and that's, that's, this is the world we live in where A-Rod's cute and cuddly, and Derek Jeter's the new Jeffrey Laurie. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Derek Jeter, who fired a scout who was in the called him in the hospital when he was getting cancer surgery, and and oh well, no, it wasn't really Jeter; it was uh, somebody below him. Well, what about what about the buck stops here? Well, and also the the way that I cannot fathom the handling of trading a superstar being bungled more than what's going with Stanton and um, Jeter saying things like, "Well, am I supposed to call him after every rumor I hear?" It's like. No, but you should probably call him. Yeah, apparently he's never talked to him once. This is the player, the player manager. Like he's, you know, he's got the he's got the touch. Like no, no, he he is. I know a lot of Yankee fans have wanted to not you, but you know, delusional Yankee fans have wanted to compare Jeter to Jordan. Well, now they can with his ability as an owner. uh, That he's just. I mean, he's only been in the job for what a few months. Yeah. And this is just being, first and foremost, he's like, let's get rid of Jeff Conine, Andre Dawson, and Tony Perez to save $50,000. Mm-hmm. And then let's not even call a superstar who we have to trade and a full of no trade clause in his contract. Right. He, ha- you know, he has to be involved in the process. Kind of like how Justin Berlander had to be involved in the trade process, and apparently the Tigers 
were very open with him what was going on, and he wound up, you know, last at the last minute agreeing to the deal with the Houston, which you know turned out to be the right move for Houston, obviously, but also probably turned out to be the best deal for Detroit. Well, if I were a team dealing with the the Marlins right now, I'd try to hose them. Yeah. Absolutely try to hose them. Why not? Yeah, well, I, what I think it comes down to the difference between Jeter and A-Rod, and I can tell you this from personal experience in life, it, it, it's it's whether or not you really it, – it, it's. and I, I'm going to quote Tom Brady here. I know you're not in the football, but I'm going to quote Tom Brady in a positive manner because after that Super Bowl, I, I, I as you know, I hated Brady for many, many years. I love to hate him. I got so much enjoyment out of it. But this last Super Bowl, I'm like, this is the greatest comeback of all time. I can't hate him anymore. I, I got to look into what this guy does to be the greatest of all time. But anyhow, the reason I bring this up with, with Tom Brady, it's kind of like the will over skill mindset is what he talks about and how that, like, if you never ha- had to deal with things that were hard for you, if things came easy to you, then you, you really can't handle adversity. And uh, and the reason I bring this up is because Jeter has just kind of been the golden boy for so long. Yeah, just, just the fact that Jeter had for – there were a number of things over the years where he would do things that I, I thought were dumb or I thought were not right, and the New York media would just cover up for him. And, and it was just no matter what Jeter did, like that endless farewell tour, and the fact that yeah. he was batting second that last year and insisted on doing that, and, and it, it cost him a playoff spot. And and But nobody ever called him out on it. But anyhow, my point is, is that here he is now, and finally he's, he's, he's getting criticism, and he doesn't know how to handle it. He's not used no. to this. And it's the same with Michael Jordan. That's the same thing with these guys where they've been that they think they walk on water because they've been told that for so long and they've had all this great success. On the other hand, Arod is like the most insecure person and has this, you know has had grief most of his career and, and 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 I think he finally gets it now and he finally knows how to how to handle the media and everything. And it's just because of the fact he's been you know had such negativity around him and a lot of it is self inflicted, of course. But it's just yeah. like I think he's got more self awareness now than Jeter does, which I never thought well, I'd say that. Well, here, here's two things I remember. You were on this podcast a lot during that final Jeter year, and um, and the thing that would drive me crazy is when I would hear like Susan Waldman or Michael Kay say like, you know, Jeter hates all this attention. Yeah. And don't show up. <laughs> don't show up in a commercial shoot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what do you mean you hate all this attention? You're being you know. It, it was. It, it got to be a joke, but yeah. bro, we're we're supposed to. You know, there were like three farewell commercials. I, I've been involved with those kinds of shoots. They're very complicated. You can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna give you an hour of my time. But no, that's it. No, he's like, okay, I agree to do this commercial and shoot this thing. Like, you know, it, it's like the phony. Oh, oh, please, don't say anything more about me, please. Um, I, I always thought that was bananas, and the fact that he is now has to do something where he's he has to be front and center, and he's not being front and center. He looks a little like a fake. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 it's uh, yeah. It, it, that's the thing is he's not. He, the thing is is that he's a, a very private person and he said nothing, which is you know he's been able to get away with that as a player and people could kind of. It's like they, they, the media certainly projected that the class and everything else into that. But now as an owner in this, this franchise, the, the fans have been through so much and everything, and they they want to know an owner is going to be straight with them, and he's still the secretive. And so they're like, what's going on with this guy? This is not a good look. Uh, on the other hand, Dan Levitar, he, he had mentioned this, and, and uh, he was talking with, with just the fact that A-Rad, that the, the, the type of personality that didn't look good with the, maybe in the locker room with the New York media, but that's perfect for being on television. So I, I, I just think it's interesting. But, yeah, it's uh, – but, yeah, the, the, for, for Jeter, this, this thing of, oh, it's like the, now apparently they told Stan, well, we're going to trade everybody else around you, so you'll have to take that. And, and, and the, the reason I, I'm going to tie this all back, if you remember this, when Jeter had the contract, uh, the talk, oh, yeah. he was so angry. Oh, yeah. and, and one of the things is they didn't treat him with respect. He felt like that, that they didn't. They he his agent was talking about how Jeter's impact on the team was like Babe Ruth, and he should be paid accordingly. Never mind. Hey, dude, you got you got paid for that. This isn't Albert Pujols. He didn't get the big contract till till the Angels. He got that. He got a hundred ninety million dollars. He got the he, he got that. You don't get the pay on past performance. That's that's not needed here. But so it's, it's just as funny that he was so angry that the Yankees didn't show him the sufficient re- respect. Do you remember the famous thing with Brian Cashman? He said he was Jeter uh, says about being the best shortstop in baseball, and Cashman's like, well, and brought up uh, Troy Tulowitzki, and Jeter was horrified. And and yeah. so, but anyhow, so here's this guy who just won the MVP, and you're not showing him the respect that you complained about when you were a player. You're not even being consistent on that. I just just find that very interesting. I haven't seen anybody point that out in the media, but I just do find that interesting. Oh, I, I you actually cheated tax when he was complaining. Like, look at you're on a franchise that has picked people apart through the free agent market and picked you know picked players apart. And for the first time after what, that, that was in 2011, I want to say, 2012, whenever that, that contract thing was, it was like, okay, for the first time in 15 years, you don't have an automatic contract. And I right. said, well, well, yeah, why don't you go out and see what you're worth? Yes, exactly. That's what Cashman told them, is, 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 is see what your free agent market. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, <laughs> well so, so what? You know, you like playing with those other players. You like David Cohn. You know, you like these players who you got either through salary dumps or free agent signings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a feeling you like playing with them. And, and it wasn't like, you know, he, there was never a sign of loyalty to the Yankees from Jeter because it wasn't like he signed with a team for significantly less money they would have gotten in the open market the way Tony Gwynn did when the union was angry at Gwynn that he would resign and not go to free agency, he said, I want to stay in San Diego. I don't mm-hmm. care if I can make more. You know, Kirby Puckett, we found out he was a pretty rotten guy off the field, but he re-signed with the Twins because he didn't want to – the Phillies and the Red Sox offered him more money, but he wanted to stay in Minnesota. That's showing loyalty to your team. Being paid as the biggest shortstop and being paid hundreds of millions of dollars and then expecting to be paid as such when you're – you know, best shortstop in the league for for ten years. He wasn't the best shortstop on his own diamond. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's just it's, it's fascinating with him. It's, it's just this this is just and this was his whole dream, and this is the culmination of the dream. I don't think he can handle it now that he's getting the negativity and all and and it's just the fans are looking like okay so what's your plan i mean the thing is what have i said all along but is this the guy that you want to run the team for all the talk of who uh well he's wanted to own a team well what's the famous thing for for buster for you know that where's uh, i'm sorry that was in Verducci's book um, but he, the, the one of the things, the memorable thing on the, 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 uh, the with Tori was he talked about how that that Jeter didn't even he would literally never watch a baseball game he wasn't in, and A Rod would go home every night and watch the uh, the MLB extra innings and see all the what other teams were doing. So who's the one that you think might be able to, to run a team better? The guy who only watches himself, or the other, the, uh, the other guy who knows like everything of all these other players. It just is. Uh, I just don't see that Jeter is is. It's not looking very good so far. But yeah, you're right. It is a comparison, like Michael Jordan as as being yeah. a, as an owner. Yeah, and A Rod. I'm going to say, listen to these words in this order coming out of my mouth. I now love A Rod. Wow. I think he's Get great. on the A-Rod bandwagon. He's great on TV. He's great. I'll tell you who else was great on TV, and I wish he would come back on TV, and if A-Rod and this time were on TV together on ESPN or TBS or Fox or whatever, you have my eyeballs. Bobby V. Bobby V was, Bobby v was great on TV. He was a smart aleck and know-it-all and funny. And, now you, and A-Rod is... He's handsome. He's he knows how to he knows how to but beyond just being handsome, he he knows how to carry himself in front of the camera. That's a skill. That's yes. a real skill is knowing how to throw to the other. Like he'll throw to Frank Thomas. I love Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas is a great player. He offers nothing on that day. He's just right. sitting there, Frank. He got he's, he was with like Joey Bishop on those days of the Rat Pack. Are you still there, Joey? Are you awake? Frank, are you still yes. there? Great yeah. player, Hall of Famer, love him, love him, love him. Offers nothing. The other person in the postseason who was on with A-Rod, who I thought he had great chemistry with, and I said they need to have their own show, is David Ortiz. He's great. He's funny. Yeah. I mean, I've always known he, knew he was, but they were both divas. We both knew they were divas. Yeah. yeah. But they were fun divas. It's like the way Reggie was a fun diva. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sometimes you need a fun diva. You know? There's nothing wrong with fun divas, right? You know? And because it's like the, the the difference is it's like there's a famous line of of uh, in in uh, from when Harry met Sally and 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 uh, it, it's something about how that like Sally is high maintenance but thinks she's low maintenance. I mean, I think Ortiz and certainly A Rod know that they're high maintenance and not low maintenance. I think Jeter is high maintenance but thinks he's low maintenance, and that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Well, can I just say, because i got to get off for America. I have to be a decent father. But um, I just hope that A-Rod and J-Lo have, like, five kids together. Because those children will be the most perfect human beings. They would, <laughs> they would be, I mean, that's like, you were almost breeding to create the perfect human. In Dune, it was called the Quisach Haderach, is what they wanted Paul Atreides to be. Yeah, I just dropped some Dune reference on you. But... Uh, <laughs> 
I did That's see the uh, the movie with Sting because I was a big Sting fan. But I, I fell asleep. Yeah, it, 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 I'm a, I was a nerd and I read all the books and 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 the Kyle MacLachlan character was bred to be the the Quisatch Hatterach. And I even posted that on Instagram the the cover. What was it, Vanity Fair? And oh I yeah. Posted, I posted underneath. Together they will create the Quisatch Hatterach, and three people liked it. And I think I just wrote it for those three people. I didn't explain it. I didn't say, you know, like in the movie Dune. No. <laughs> if you got that great, if not, move on with your life. There's other people's pictures of food and rats and shit like that to look at. So. All right. Hey, uh, Lisa Swan, uh, you are really cool. And you plugged, you plugged me in your most recent post, and I appreciate that. But uh, well, my, son is giving, my son is giving me a side eye because I said a bad word right now. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Eat to say feces and say feces. Okay, buddy, you're right. You're right. I got it. <laughs> Tough crowd I have here in my house. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. What do you want to plug? Uh, plug? com, and where you can read about not not just my baseball writing, but I'm, I'm going to be writing something about my marathon journey, and it, it's going to be epic. Uh, just to let your uh, listeners know, I had this goal for turning 50 this year. I decided to do 50 running races. And I've done 53 so far in Whoa. 2017. So yeah, this the, the this is uh, Lisa Swan has uh, just been the the Iron Woman, the yeah. absolute Iron Woman. <laughs> Lou, you're the Lou Gehrig. I got to try to bring it back to the Yankees for <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. All right, I'm actually I'm actually going to be guesting on another podcast in a minute. Get off right now, otherwise you and I can go down some more rabbit holes. But Thanks for talking with me. And hey, who knows? Watch Aaron Boone become the second coming of Miller Huggins. And, and, it could have. You know, they didn't think Joe Torrey was a good choice. So, well, that is true. Thanks again for having me on. Have a All right, talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Lisa Swan. Uh, man, I'm after basically taking a couple of weeks off of doing this podcast. I'm churning them out almost on a daily basis because I still have other topics I want to talk about that I'm going to go into next week. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Shreve, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking about the Yankees before the seismic activities that we had overnight, this is the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 9th day of December 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.